the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed, exciting edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and my usual co-host, Don Dix, with Act for America. He's away this week. Last year, he went off and was searching for ISIS sleeper sleeper cells in the Sonoma wine country. This week, he's been looking for ISIS sleeper cells in the shadow of the eclipse. And we'll hear more about that next week. So filling in is one of our greatest activists in this area, Kathy Ponce, leader of the Fontana Tea Party Patriots and activist extraordinaire. But, and we'll hear more about what Kathy's been up to, but we are so pleased today to have on the line with us Joe Pollack, senior editor at large of Breitbart News, the author of First See No Evil, 19 Hard Truths the Left Can't Handle, and more recently, How Trump Won, The Inside Story of a Revolution. Welcome to the show, Joel. Good to be with you. So, what is the inside story of, what are the keys you think that how, how Trump won? Well, if you look how the election played out and becomes easier as we get along a little further to, to do some of these historic assessments, there are basically three reasons. One is the issues that Trump brought up, trade and immigration in particular. These are issues that were shunted to the margins of political discourse by the Beltway, by the establishment of both parties. And Trump brought up these issues and championed the positions on these issues that had previously been marginalized. And so he created a constituency that really had long been trying to find some form of political expression in both parties, but found it finally in Trump. So by taking on illegal immigration, by taking on some of the trade deals that had left some American workers out in the cold, he was able to fashion this political movement that had tried to find a way to express itself before, but but hadn't. And so he took the potential that was there and he turned it into a fighting political force. The second big reason was his use of media. Trump dominated the media, dominated the news. He created his own media. He used Twitter to speak directly to the voters. He used media more effectively than any candidate had ever done, including Obama. And it's more remarkable because the media were against Trump and were for Obama. So the fact that he used the media's opposition to him to boost his candidacy is also a very big reason he won. And then finally, the third reason is simply that he worked harder. Trump outworked Hillary Clinton. He was full of energy. He fought right to the finish, whereas she farmed out a lot of her campaign events to surrogates. She took time off. She fell ill at one point along the campaign trail, creating some doubts about whether she could serve in office. And he just had more energy and fought harder. He wanted it more. So those three factors, I think, were key. And there were lots of other things along the way that happened that were very important. But as you read my book, you'll discover what some of those are, not just from the sections that I wrote, but also from sections written by my co-author, Larry Schweikart, who 
did a lot of deep diving in the data and has some really interesting explanations as to how Trump built his winning coalition. Now, I thought one of the major factors all the way through the election was you look at the polling data and it was roughly 70-30 country is on the wrong track. And I was, even when Trump was down 5-10 points in the polls, if the polls are accurate, is it just the country that thinks by 70% the country's on the wrong track is not going to vote for the person who's going to keep it on the same track, albeit more crooked? Right. The choices before the electorate in 2016 were, on the one hand, the status quo, and on the other hand, throwing all the cards up in the air and seeing where they fell. And for some people, that risk was too much to take, even though they might have wanted a departure from the status quo. But obviously now for those who came to the polls and came to the polls in the right states, that risk was one they were certainly willing to take rather than endure another four to eight years of exactly the same. Kathy. Hi, Joel. What an honor to be part of this interview with you. I have your book, and in Chapter 3, How We Renegade Deplorable Saw Trump Could Win, you state, sort of towards the last chapter, but the Republican Party and the conservative establishment had utterly failed. They had failed to win elections, losing twice to the hardest left candidate ever to run. The Republican Party is still failing us, the deplorables. Trump is, is standing up for us. He continues to speak for us. Your article today about the shutting down of the government um, and Trump doing it, it it's it's great article, by the way. Um, you talk about, hey, he's already unpopular, so why not shut down the government in September? What do we do as deplorables to get the establishment to understand that we want Trump's agenda to be passed? Do we take them out what? in November 18, uh, you know, replace them with people that are going to support Trump? That's one thing to do. The other thing is simply to support him during the coming shutdown. I mean, Trump has made it clear he is not afraid of a government shutdown. He made that clear in May when he tweeted about it, saying that the country needed a good shutdown to get some of the reforms done. And he's made it clear again this week when he went to Arizona and gave a speech in which he actually called for a government shutdown if Congress didn't fund the border wall, which is one of his most important campaign promises. And I think by putting it out there, he is telling the Republican establishment, as well as the Democrats, that he's not afraid of this game of chicken that he intends to win. And I think the people who want to support his agenda should support this. They know that during a shutdown, most of the government services continue. Government workers do get paid back for the time that they were off. It's not the end of the world, although we're often made to feel like it will be. And the reason Republicans lose these shutdowns is they're afraid of the political consequences. Well, for Trump, there are no political consequences anymore because, as you say, the media have all already tried to knock him down as far as he can possibly go. He has nothing left to lose. The, the potential damage politically would be marginal, and actually the potential gains would be great because he'd rally his base. This is what he was elected to do, to drain the swamp, to fight for the priorities that nobody else would fight for. And if he does that and he explains to his base what he's doing, like he did in Arizona on Tuesday, then I think he will win this shutdown. And he will force that funding through. The people he needs to convince aren't just the Democrats and the media. The people he needs most to convince are the establishment Republicans who have never been okay with Trump's agenda and are trying to undermine it. And he is basically going to tell them that, look, the public is going to blame you and hurt you for not doing what I was elected to do. And that, I think, is going to be an effective mes message that over time, won't happen right away, but over time, will force them to compromise and do what he wants. Well, all through the Obama administration, once the Republicans had the majority in the House, the Republicans always caved on these spending bills because they were just so afraid of being blamed for a shutdown. Now, it's interesting to see if Trump 
holds firm on his, this is what I need in this spending bill that has to be passed by the end of September, whether the Republicans will now cave to President Trump the way they caved to uh, President Obama? Well, it'll be different. Look, they're caving to Obama because they're caving to the media, not Obama. They didn't care about Obama. They cared about being blamed by the media for shutting down the government. And Obama could use the media, but essentially the Republicans are deeply afraid of, of the journalists that they court every day on Capitol Hill. And Trump isn't. Trump fights the media. That's why his voters like him. And he is not going to be blamed for the shutdown. At least he's, he's saying he's not going to be blamed. And he's going to put all of that back on the Republicans in Congress, who everybody hates. And the only people more hated than that are the Democrats in Congress. So I think Trump's going to do okay in this one. And I think he's showing the Republican leadership how to win in these shutdowns, how not to be pushed around anymore. You have to fight for concrete policies, first of all, not just abstract principles, but things that really matter to people. And you have to fight for the people. You have to have a constituency that will back you up. And Obama's constituency was the media. Trump's constituency are the voters that want a wall on the border and want this push against illegal immigration to continue. The Republican establishment has no natural constituency anymore. Their constituency exists of small square mile block of land inside the District of Columbia. We affectionately call it K Street. Um, but basically, it's the world of lobbyists and think tanks and pundits and people who make politics their living. Those are the people for whom the Republican establishment really matters. As to everybody else, all most Americans see is a tired establishment that owes its positions to the populist movement that elected Trump, but is unwilling to fulfill the wishes of those populist voters. We need to take a break at this point. We'll continue our discussion on the other side after this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with Joe Pollack after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation and host of the main event, which airs every weekend here on AM 590, The Answer. I'm proud to be a part of the effort to make America great again, not just by supporting this station and conservative movement, but also by helping people achieve the American dream of homeownership. Whether you're looking to achieve that dream and you need financing, or you already own a home and you're considering refinancing your mortgage in order to lower your payment, shorten your term, or pay off high-interest debt, or if you're over 62 and want to look into that great financing tool known as a reverse mortgage, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, toll-free day or night, 855-640-2020. I'll give you all your options, answer all your questions, and walk you through the process. And don't forget to listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays at 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m., Sundays at 8 a.m., right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate, broker license number 01147747, and California Finance Lenders license number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions, MB number 096199. AM 590, The Answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Andrew Breitbart once said that culture is upstream of politics. Andrew Breitbart, I saw him when he was at the University of Redlands in the fall of 2011, which is relatively shortly before before he passed. He's founded Breitbart News. How is Breitbart News different? If people don't read it regularly like I do, how is it different than other conservative news outlets? We fight. We fight and we fight and we fight. We don't compromise. We don't give in. 
we talk. We're willing to consider a whole wide range of opinions. We don't always agree with each other. We're not necessarily on, on one side of every issue, but we fight. We fight hard. We never give up fighting. And in the days when all the other conservative publications were abandoning Trump for dead politically, we fought and we fought and we fought. We fought the Clintons. We fought the left. We fought the media. We just fight. We get up every day and we fight. We fight and we fight and we fight. And win or lose, we fight some more. That's what's different about us. Breitbart has been called alt-right. And in fact, at one point, Steve Bannon, uh, before he went to work for Donald Trump, said, referred to Breitbart as alt-right. What is alt-right and are you, quote, alt-right, unquote? I don't really know what it is and I don't think it's what I am. So that's an easy way to answer that question. I think alt-right represents a lot of different things. I think when Steve Bannon was talking about it a year or two ago, he was talking about sort of wide range of conservatives who didn't see themselves, not just as Republicans, but didn't see themselves as part of a conservative movement and yet had conservative beliefs of one kind or another. Uh, I happen to know someone who thinks he's part of the alt-right and who is a monarchist. He believes in monarchy. That's the classical definition of conservatism, actually. If you go back to the 19th century, the conservatives in Europe were monarchists. Now, there's no place in our political system for monarchists. I mean, you can start a monarchist party. It's not like it's banned or anything, but nobody really wants to return to the monarchy. But there are people who have those ideas and other crazy ideas, and they see themselves as part of the alt-right. They reject liberalism. They also reject some of what they consider Republican liberalism, the Republican participation in some of the same liberal democratic, that's liberal and democratic, both with small l, small d. Um, they, re- they reject that. And lately, alt-right has become to mean something much more sinister, focusing on part of that, that general category, which has to do with neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and so forth. Um, None of that is represented on our website at all. And to the extent that there's any sort of overlap in the alt-right and Breitbart, it's mostly in terms of our audience. There were lots of people in the alt-right who liked Donald Trump in 2016. And since we were one of the only outlets really standing up for him when he was being attacked by the left, they gravitated toward Breitbart to read the news. And therefore, we developed an audience among the alt-right, although even alt-right people will tell you that Breitbart isn't alt-right. It's just a conservative publication that they read because it was one of the few publications friendly to the candidate that they had decided to support generally. Um, so that's it. that is what it is. You have an audience where you have an audience, can't uh, help it or whatever. It, it just has nothing to do with any of our editorial decisions or our content. We simply do what we do, and we have a significant following on the left now. People read us on the left as well. Does that mean we become a leftist website? No, it just means that we're important. And people on the left read us to get a sense of what conservatives are thinking, because I think our website, more than any other, really captures the spirit of the grassroots movement that elected Donald Trump. So if you want to know what Trump supporters are thinking, you come to Breitbart. That means people in the mainstream media read Breitbart. It doesn't make us a mainstream media website. Um, So the same applies to the alt-right. A lot of alt-right readers, it does not make us an alt-right website, and I would in fact say that we are not one. Kathy? You had a great article out. Um, with Steve Bannon gone, Donald Trump risks becoming Arnold S. Um, Steve Bannon was was basically holding Trump to his agenda that got him elected. Um, I know you know many of us have seen the chart that Bannon had of what Trump ran on, and now that Bannon's gone, do you see Bannon as a stronger influence being in the media at war against the left, or did? And who's going to hold Trump accountable for his his campaign promises in the White House? Well, it has to be the voters, ultimately, even with Steve Bannon in the White House. That's the only force that could hold Trump accountable. 
But Steve gave the administration some spine, some backbone, made sure that they were keeping the promises on his whiteboard, promises that Trump had made on the campaign trail. And I think Steve brings an incredible amount of power to Breitbart. I think as much success as we've had over the last few years, we're about to get much bigger. And that's because we have the heaviest hitter in American politics right now on our side once again. And I think it's fantastic. I think it's really um, a hopeful sign for our company. And I'm very excited about what the future holds. But yeah, for the country as well, I think it means that there's going to be a powerful voice for the constituency that elected Trump, whether or not he fulfills his promises to them. And I think that's a very good sign for Trump supporters. I think it's a very good sign for people who care about the issues that Trump was elected to do something about. And I think it's a good sign for American media. I think it's a sign that the diversity that Breitbart helped break open in 2012, 2013 is now going to stick around. There's going to be this multiplicity of voices and they can't shut us up. Is, uh, with this departure of Steve Bannon firing people by McMaster from the National Security Council, it seems that pretty much Donald Trump has surrounded himself with people who don't agree with the agenda he campaigned on and then reaffirmed in his speech in Phoenix. What's going on? Well, I think that's true. I think that there are people of different points of view in the White House. That can be a good thing because I think, as Abraham Lincoln discovered, when you have people with different views, you often come out with better solutions uh, through debate. The concern I think many conservatives had is that it's not clear anymore who represents the conservative view inside the White House. With Steve around, it was very clear. Not clear anymore. The only person who represents Trump's views right now is Trump. And so whether you think he's going to do well or poorly from now on depends on whether you think he can do it rather than whether the people around him are going to help him do it. Now, I will say this. There are some cabinet members who are still there. And to the extent that he listens to his cabinet members, I think they'll be a very positive force. Vice President Pence is also a very widely admired conservative. And Steve Bannon had a role, I think, in picking some of these cabinet members and officials who will still be part of the administration, very difficult to get rid of. So I think that there will be some lingering influence there, and they will help the president move in the right direction, hopefully. But we will see. The president can decide to turn on a dime tomorrow. And the mistake Arnold Schwarzenegger made was believing that he would be loved if he became a liberal. Well, he was reelected by an overwhelmingly liberal state, but he was certainly not loved. There's no love lost for Arnold Schwarzenegger in California. Nobody views his tenure as governor as anything like a success. Most view it as an abject failure. And he ended in disgrace, not just politically, but also on a personal level. And there's nobody who would want to repeat that experience, certainly not conservatives who had looked at Schwarzenegger with high hopes and were let down. So I think conservatives are rightly worrying about what the future of the Trump administration will be. I think they're trying to reassure the base that they're still with them. But again, the proof is in the pudding. We are less impressed, I think, both as journalists and as voters, by what Trump says from the stump in a speech at a rally than what he actually does. And that, again, remains to be seen. Time for another word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with Joe Pollack after this message. Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now, and from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. 
I know Ed. He's a good guy. He'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now's the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855-640-2020. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are so pleased to have on the line with us Joe Pollack, senior editor of Breitbart News. Andrew Breitbart also said that we are in a long war for the soul of America. Joe, do you think, are we winning that war or are we losing that war? Uh, we, are lo- uh, we are definitely losing the war for the soul of America. We're losing less badly than we would if we weren't fighting. Uh, but we're definitely losing. Look at what's happening. People tearing down statues, people tearing down American flags on college campuses, kids coming out of those campuses with no idea of American history and much, much else besides. We're losing. We're losing because the left controls the educational establishment, the left controls the media, and the left controls the culture. But we don't intend to lose forever. And the reason Breitbart was founded was to fight that war and to win it. And increasingly more and more conservatives and even some Civic-minded liberals are understanding that the civic culture of the United States is in danger. You're seeing Alan Dershowitz now, for example, a, a diehard Democrat who donated to Hillary Clinton and supported her. You're seeing him speak out against the tactics of so-called Antifa, this so-called anti-fascist movement that used violence in Charlottesville and uses violence elsewhere to stop freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. Well-meaning liberals understand that the violent tactics of the left, the historical revisionism of the left, is anti-humanist, it's anti-American, and it's going to destroy our society. So we're losing right now because look what's happening and look how the media are encouraging it. But we do have some allies on the other side, and we intend to fight as hard as we possibly can to stop this from getting much further than it has. Don't we also need some alternative, we have alternative media like Breitbart. Don't we going to need alternative cultural institutions, alternative educational institutions to win this war? We do. And I think that's a very powerful way to approach the subject. It's how we approach it rather than the left. You know, the left will destroy your institution rather than build their own. Uh, conservatives build institutions. Conservatives build new projects. Conservatives are entrepreneurs and try new things. And that's the way we do this. Our motto at Breitbart is more voices, not fewer. And that's why we exist. That's why outlets like yours exist. And we have to just keep doing that. And that's how we turn this around. Kathy? One of the hottest topics, it's, 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 it's discussed everywhere I go, is Trump's tweeting. I think Trump's tweeting is is an alternate form of media, you know, giving opinion versus fact. What? How do you see Trump's tweeting? I think it's fine. Uh, I, I think that he could probably use the services of an editor once in a while um, or, or a good counselor. But, you know, it, it is what it is. It allows him to be who he is. And the American people know exactly what he's thinking at any given moment. And I think there's some value in that. Were you always conservative? Oh, I'm one of our friends, Evan Say it. I don't know if you know him. He's a conservative commentator sure. and comedian. He explains he's, he grew up as a Jew in New York, and he was default liberal because everyone around him was default liberal. Did you did you always start? Were you always conservative in your politics, or did you make that? Did you make a similar conversion? No, I made an even more extreme conversion. I was not a default liberal. I was very very far left in college, and I changed my mind over time. 
and became conservative and really cemented my conservative views when I went back to campus uh, to law school. And I found that the politics I had embraced as an undergraduate student no longer fit what I believed. So it was definitely a, a process, but we've attracted a lot of people like that to Breitbart. Andrew Breitbart was himself a person like that. He, he wasn't really a liberal. He would say he was kind of politically nihilistic, but he became a conservative over time, and he attracted a lot of liberal apostates to the cause and gave them an opportunity to write. And who knew the left better than people who had formerly been of and on the left? So that's another reason Breitbart is different from other conservative websites. We don't just speak to people who've always been conservative and have never had any cause to see the world any other way, but we speak to people who've seen the left from the inside and know exactly why it is that the left doesn't work, why it is that they left the left, and why it is that they embrace conservatism. And I think that makes our commentary and our news coverage more powerful. We got one minute left here. Um, not to, we should not mention that uh, one of your great claims to fame is going to be is that on September seventh you're going to be speaking to the Redlands Tea Party Patriots Ooh. Thursday, September seventh, seven o'clock. And if you want to hear more from Joe Pollock, uh, come out and join us there at Mill Creek Cattle Company in Mentone. And we're certainly looking forward uh, to your visit. In our last forty seconds, is there anything else you would like to say? Just keep watching Breitbart.com, keep reading our stuff, keep sharing it on Facebook and social media. We are going to keep growing. We're going to be leading the charge in the news media in coverage of this administration and coverage of its opponents. Uh, you know, in my view, if it was not for Breitbart, both Andrew Breitbart and Breitbart News, Hillary Clinton would be president of the United States today, heaven forbid. Right. Absolutely true. Well, uh, Joe, well, thank you so much for joining us today. I look forward to your visit uh, to the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and we just thank you everything for your, that you and Breitbart are doing for the cause. We'll be back thank in the second so half hour with uh, more of what Kathy Pont is up to after the traffic and news at the bottom of the hour. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We just had a great interview in our first half with Joe Pollock of Breitbart News. If you didn't hear that, uh, you pick it up on the podcast, and or he's going to be at the Redlands Tea Party Patriots on September 7th at 7 p.m., Mill Creek Cattle Company in Mentone, and we're looking forward to his visit. Uh, my usual co-host, my, uh, Don Dix, is away uh, chasing the eclipse someplace. Uh, we'll hear more about that maybe next week. But uh, filling in is one of my favorite activists. Uh, n- not only is she a wonderful person, but she is effective. And I, and I just wish that I could be a quarter as effective in my activism as that she is in her hometown of Fontana. Kathy, tell Thank you, Greg. How are you so effective at what you do? I have fun. I think I look at some of these people and and I think they're not having fun. They're just angry. But I try to have fun wherever I go and and be happy and personable. And sometimes that can help reach over to the other side. And you're effective at uh, you're able you've established relationships with the people in the city government of Fontana, even yes. people that aren't on your side. Yes. But you've been able but you've been able to influence them. Tell us about that. Um. Gosh, I kind of feel like I'm talking like Chad Mays here. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I didn't mean to insult you. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you have to reach over to the other side. And I know that's what Chad tried to do, but he did it in the wrong way. Um, I think at the local level, some of my best friends on the city council are the Democrats. You hmm. know, um, Two council members that I'm very close to. 
um, because we're able to discuss the city issues on this is going to affect the city in a really bad way. And a lot of the times I, I get them to see my side and vote my way. And another really important relationship to make is with your city manager. I have a very close relationship with my city manager. And um, what have you been working? What issues are you have you been working in Fontana? Well, Fontana, we just finished the districting. Um, had an ugly battle with the Fontana Democrat Club on that one. Got very ugly. Uh, of course, districting is a hot topic in California. Um, we don't stand for districts. I don't stand for districts. There's our cities out there that are going on joining a lawsuit with. Marietta and Huntington Beach. Fontana's not joining the lawsuit, but um, the Democrats wanted seven districts and the right wanted to just keep it at four. Four plus the mayor. Four plus the mayor, yeah. So does the mayor now run at large or is, that, or is, is the mayor just an appointed member of the city council that who then is the mayor? At large. She stays at large. Now your, your mayor, Aquinetta Warren. Mm-hmm. She's she is nominally a Republican. She's gotten stronger since Trump's taken office. Oh, she's doing she better. Has. She's she is doing better. I don't know if she just goes with whoever's president at the time, but she is going back to more conservative values and stand. Hasn't been some of the issues about seemingly we have in Redlands the, the idea of trying to get people out of their cars and yeah. onto less efficient means of transportation, high density stack and pack housing. You have the same issues in. Fontana. Yeah, uh, she voted for the toll lanes. That's upset a lot of people and could see her unseated in November. Right, that's the toll lanes on the 10 freeway. Yes. So uh, having paid for gas taxes more than enough to pay for our roads, yeah. we now want they want us to pay for our roads again as toll lanes. Double taxation. And we were, I, I joined you at the at the sandbag yes. meeting to try to oppose that. And I think what, two, two of the members there voted against the toll lanes and everyone else was either... Gone. gone or or voted for it. <laughs> have a meeting to get to. Oh, how convenient. Yes. Well, yeah, well, there's several of them just got up. You know, I'm sorry, I have a meeting, a meeting. to go to. I, need, I have to leave this, this sandbag board meeting that's been on calendar for months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, um. You also do door to door. So, I mean, you you get out there and, and you t- you take the message to the voters as well as taking the me- playing the inside game. Yes, I, I do take the, the vote to the citizens, the information to the citizens. I'd like to walk North Montana. There's a lot of strong Republican people up there, and they like to have their voice heard. So the city of Montana is kind of calm right now, so we're, we're going to monitor and see where it goes. Now you've also recently you you, you took a you, t- you took a foreign trip recently, didn't you? I did, you? and I, and and you, you you went to a different country. Which country was that? I went to Texas. Um, you, went to, you went to America, right? I went to America, and it is it is different. It's I couldn't believe like day and night. Um, How so? Just the people are are so much more happy. In almost every house, you see the American flag flying and a sign that says "Back the Blue." Everywhere. That you would go. And that would be the police, not the Dallas Cowboys. Right, that would be the police. <laughs> um, you know, people aren't afraid to say, God bless you, honey, have a good day. You know, um, the Texas and American flag is everywhere. Everywhere. Trump stickers on cars. Everywhere. Which you know your car would be vandalized if you did that here. Um, it's just the the prices, uh, you know, $1.99 for gas. No sales tax on your dinner. It's just, it's just, it's... Different, very it, different. It's like I, uh, Paul Chabot, who uh, moved to Texas after yes. losing the congressional race, he said it's like moving back to it's moving back to America. Yeah, I didn't think it would be such a difference, but it is. 
You understand? You're thinking of moving back to America, too, unfortunately. Yes, probably in October. Mm. Yes. They need some help back there, too. So, you know, we took Chad Mays out here, so now we got to take out Joe Strauss back there. Now, Joe Strauss is the nominal Republican but liberal uh, Speaker of the Texas House. Yes, and there is, there's referendums going around uh, in Texas right now, much like with the central committees here in California. There's referendums going around in Texas to um, ask him to please step down. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> if we can get rid of Mays, we can get rid of Mays. Well, he's been there for, and Strauss has been there for a long time, long hasn't time, he? Yeah. They, don't, they don't have term limits in Texas. No. No. Well, we, you know, um, we if you go, we will certainly miss you here, but look out Texas. And you never know. You know, I mean, um, CPAC will be helping to arrange some of the training classes at the CRP convention this fall. So I'm going to help set up some of those. And then um, Gina Gleason has some great classes coming up at the CRP as well for people that... That's the California Republican Party, Party convention. convention. Yes. Um, and you'll, you'll, you can recognize it by the white flag flying over the, over the building, right? Yes. <laughs> it's the flag of surrender today with Chad Mays stepping down. <laughs> now, we're going to delve in our next segment into Chad Mays, cap and trade, and the um, future of any of the California Republican Party. But let's, not, let's take a break right here and hear from our sponsor of this half hour, All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. We'll be back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM 590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. That was said by Justice Louis Brandeis. And uh, my usual co-host, Don Dix, is away this week. And my filling in is Kathy Pons, a great activist who exemplifies that statement by, by Justice Brandeis. We had... Uh, um, in our first half hour, Joel Pollack of Breitbart News, great interview, not because of us, but because of because of Joel. And you can pick that up on the podcast, or he'll, he'll also Joel will also be at the Redlands Tea Party Patriots meeting on September 7th, 7 p.m., Mill Creek Cattle Company in Mentone. We're looking forward to that. Uh, we, we touched on in the last segment that Chad Mays, who led the uh, seven Republicans in the Assembly to provide the necessary votes to pass the Dems cap-and-trade tax that's going to increase gas prices by 70 cents or more a gallon and all other energy prices as well. And there's been a great movement of, of conservatives to try to get him out of office. And he's not out of office, but he has resigned as the uh, Assembly leader. So are we, are we happy with that, Kathy? Yes. Yes, we're happy with that. Um, Are we satisfied with that? No, I don't think we'll be satisfied until he loses in November of 18. See, because the way I see it is this, is they put... The people really behind it were the large donors. Charles Munger, who largely controls the state party, other large donors. And if they have to lose a flunky, like Chad Mays, to get what they wanted, the cap-and-trade tax... Right. 
okay, it's a price that they're willing to pay and a price that they'd be willing to pay again because there's some guy we've never heard of, Brian Dahl, yes. who's now the assembly leader. minority leader in Chad May's place. Yes. You know anything about him? I don't. I have not studied him. I know he's he's got a great voting record, very conservative voting record. Um, I know he has the same lobbyist and donors as Mays, and Mays has identical same donors as Steinnorth. So, you know, that concerns me as far as donors goes. And as far as being a scapegoat, yeah, I think Chad Mays is a scapegoat to save the other seven, Hope Munger or whoever, thinking, well, we, they, I'll give them Mays and then they'll forget about the other seven. No, we won't. We won't. I the, the, they have to pay a high price for their betrayal yes. or they will keep doing it. Yes. We are not going to forget just because Chad Mays decided under the pressure to step down. Now, they're in the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. We, uh, in large measure, because of the enthusiasm of Donald Trump, we knocked on about 16,000 doors in the Redlands area in the 2016 election, both in the June primary and in the, and in the general election. We supported, unfortunately... Mark Steinorth. I did too. And I, you, I, you did a lot of walking for, yes. for, for Mark Steinorth. And yeah, he, he has a tough district because it's a majority Democrat district. Yeah. And we thought, he, we thought, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but okay, he was, he was pretty good. Until the one vote that mattered. Mm-hmm. Usually they, they can have a great conservative voting record when it doesn't matter. But when the Democrats have the votes, it's just a majority vote. They wanted two-thirds for cap and trade to protect it from a right. legal challenge. So they have a great conservative voting record, but on the one vote where their votes made a difference. A huge difference. It was, they were, so they're really 0 and 1. Yes. And they can have, yeah, you can vote, you can vote our way every other time when it doesn't matter. Yeah. It erased all his good votes because what he did to cap and trade with that vote and to California and his constituents is destruction. You know, today they're, they're voting on um, a new tax and bond for affordable housing. Well, why are you voting on a tax and a bond for affordable housing when you just voted for cap and trade? It's going to make the housing costs go up anyways because of the sustainability freight action plan that's going to make the cost of goods of building a home triple. Right. And the development impact fees in California are far and above the highest in the entire United States of America. Right. And so, okay, you're going to do a good vote today and not vote on that. But you just you just voted on on increasing a tax. And now we have to put another tax on to pay for the tax of that. And it's a sick backlash. Well, it also undercuts because there was an effort to go to try to use the de- the earlier gas tax. They, the Democrats passed with, with one. Again, they needed one Republican vote. And guess, lo and behold, they get yeah. one Republican vote. Funny how it always works out like that. Right. They, they, needed, they needed six or seven this time, and they got seven yes. this time. So what it did is it undercuts the effort now to try to use that gas tax against them because the Republicans voted for the cap-and-trade tax. Right. That let Democrats that were in marginal districts, like Sabrina Cervantes in Corona and Sharon Silva in Orange County, they were able to abstain on the cap-and-trade vote because the Republicans provided the necessary votes. Yep, they pushed the cap-and-trade over the edge. Yep, they gave the Democrats the platter. I know it's a silver platter. So is there any, is there, is there any reason to have a California Republican Party? You know, that's that's interesting. I know I was at the uh, conference this past weekend, the California, Destruction of California from Gold to Dust, 
and one of the speakers was speaking and it really hit home on the divide in California between the establishment and the activists and that the party that embraces the activists will be the party that controls California. The establishment has shown where they stand with the activists by shutting down the phone lines when we were all calling to have Chad Mays removed. The establishment showed where they stood when they disabled emails when we were sending emails to have Chad Mays removed. The establishment hates the activists. We see it in our central committees where we're being pushed out. We see it in the CRP where we're being pushed out. And we see it in the state legislation where they say the activists do not control the state. We, the assembly, do. And we will decide when and how Chad Mays leaves. Now, he is gone, but is just a sacrificial lamb for... For the establishment. Exactly. And there's, this is this long been a battle. And in fact, it even goes back to National and Reagan back in the 60s and 70s. Is, is do you have, do you want to be liberal white? Do you want to be, okay, we'll just be a little bit less liberal right. than the Democrats and that's the way we're going to win? Or in Reagan's words, do you, do you paint conservatism with bright, bold colors? This is, and this is what we stand for and rally people to that banner. And, and related to that is what Donald Trump did is he was able to somewhat break up the usual voting patterns. Okay, well, I'm just conservative. I'm going to lower taxes, less government. And on, on that, that same front that you, you normally fight over, he was able to break that up somewhat with these issues that Joel mentioned in the first half hour of immigration and trade, is that he, went, he, is he spoke to the working man and woman of the country and looking out for what, what was in their interest. And he was able to bring enough of those working men and women who might otherwise vote Democrat in those key states of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, over to his side to carry those states and become the president. And whether you could do something like that in California of speaking to the working men and women, your gas prices, your housing prices, things that, you know, pocketbook issues. People are always most concerned about their money. But there's no indication that the California Republican Party is well, we can't. trying to do that. They, they can't. How can they be the party of less tax when they had the, you know, the, the gang of eight voting to one of the biggest tax increases and cost of goods increases in history? They can't. The CRP is, is on the fault. It's on the corner of destruction. And, and I think it needs to be destroyed to be rebuilt because the division between the activists and the CRP is deep. Well, that's the idea. Just the basic conservative voter in your base. There was an article on on Fox and Hounds, a a pretty good California news site in foxandhoundsdaily.com. Mm-hmm. They were talking about the you know the, the Chad, according to Chad Mays, and he was saying, well, we need to be more liberal, we need to be more moderate, we need to move to the left, mm-hmm. and so on. And he's saying, we're driving people away. Well, people that are driving away are their conservative base voters. Right. And you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great to reach out, but if you, right. but if you lose your most base. loyal voters and supporters, the people that will, that will volunteer, that will donate, as well as vote for you, you lose, you don't gain. And that's what I see in other states right now, because I'm really studying California politics and the, the GOPs of other states. And Arizona and Texas are great examples of how their GOPs have embraced the activists. Texas is now has a leader, James Dickey, that is Tea Party. The leader, free, you know, the leader of the state party. Uh huh. The state party 
they 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 saw their party going left, and the activists went in. They took it over, and Majority Freedom Caucus and Tea Party are now running that state party. We need to do the same thing in California. We've got to get rid of the people on top, whether it's just crashing the convention or crashing a board meeting. You know, I'm sure Joseph Turner would be up for that one. Um, we need to, you know, we need Joseph to Turner is another one. Of, is another one of our, our, our great, and um, he can, he can be he's somewhat in your face, yeah, activist. But there's there is a, there is a there is a place for it. Mm-hmm. Not, not 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 the violence of the anti now of no. the of the leftists brown shirts. No, but he but he will he will, he will get in a, a politician's face and let him know that he in no uncertain terms what he thinks. Yep, there is so. a place for that. You know, we, we've got some deep issues uh, in California with the CRP and the and the activists. See, my view, and, and I'm, I'm not totally sold on this, but I but I'm sort of increasingly sold on it. Is that the Democrats need an opposition party for the show? Same way the Harlem Globetrotters have have a fake team, the Washington Generals, as part of their show. Is the California Republican Party? Do they? Is that their role? to be the Washington generals for the Democrats? Yes, I believe so. And now it's time for us activists to change that. I mean, I think a lot of the problem with the with the Republican Tea Party activists in California is we're reactive, we're not proactive. We had to become reactive with Chad Mays because we're just thinking we have our 23-some little Republicans in California and Sacramento, and they're going to vote our way. We just assumed. Well, all hell broke loose that day. Cap and trade got voted on. And I believe now moving forward with Dahl in place as a minority leader, every vote, I don't care what it is, every vote coming through that assembly floor, we need to make our voices heard to every single assembly member of how we expect them to vote and that we will be holding them accountable the same way we did with Mays. We have to move forward being proactive and not reactive. And I think it's also important we talked about just earlier is that the lesson needs to be taught is that Mays and Stein North and the other cap and traders need to lose. Now, hopefully there'll be somebody else that will run in their place that we can support, but they need to lose. Otherwise, the, the, otherwise, the establishment has learned the lesson that we can do whatever we want to, and we get away with it. Yeah. Time for another word from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Uh, my usual co-host, Don Dix, is away this week, and filling in is uh, Kathy Ponsug, uh, activist extraordinaire. George Orwell said that if liberty means anything, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. And what we're seeing now is an unprecedented assault on the First Amendment and freedom of expression. And we see it, and really, and there's two, there's two, there's two 
great th- emerging threats. One is the violent leftist brown shirts, the Antifa types, will show up and try to and will cause violence if they disagree if they think you're a Nazi. But of course, everyone they disagree with is a quote Nazi unquote in uh, in, in in their view. And also is. Th- the new forum for public expression is the internet. It's Facebook. It's on Google. It's on YouTube. All the, the social media, and these are these are controlled by cor- private corporations, who are not subject to the First Amendment. And there was uh, just recently, after the Charlottesville uh, events, the um, the CEO of, of Cloudflare, which is one of these companies that hosts internet sites and, and controls the access to the public square on the internet took down the site for the Daily Stormer. I've never read that. As I understand, it's, a, it's for the neo-Nazis. It has nothing to do with the weather. And he said, he, he said, he said well, I just woke up in a bad mood one morning and decided to take him off the Internet. Now, to his credit, he's written an article on the, on the, on the Wall, in Wall Street Journal saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned with that, is that we, we in the tech com- in the world of companies, we shouldn't be controlling content, but they can. So if, if, even if he sees, he's okay with it, any, any other CEO can wake up in a bad mood and decide that the Tea Party is now a racist organization and should not be allowed to speak on the Internet. And in my view, this is, this, this is a very serious threat to our, to our freedom and freedom of expression because that's the place where you now speak. Yeah, maybe you can go out there on, on the, your soapbox on the street corner or maybe you can hand out flyers on the street corner. But if you want to reach a large number of people, it is on the Internet. And it, to let these private companies now control who gets to speak there is a very, very worrisome and troublesome thing. I agree. The media lies day in and day out. And that is what we have as conservatives who are trying to get the truth out, whether it's about Trump, whether it's about a vote in the California Assembly. The media is not going to portray the right in a positive or accurate way. We need our social media. We need to be the alternate media to have our voice and our concerns out there. Yeah, they're all for net neutrality. Well, the yeah. same thing, the same the same concept should apply to them, and they should they should honor the whole idea of the internet was freedom of expression. Exactly. That is all the time for we as all the time we have for this week. Uh, tune in next week to another edition of Unite IE Radio, and thank you so much, Kathy, for filling in. It's been a great time having you on the show. Thank you, Greg, for inviting me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.